0: We are going to start today's session with a conversation with Max Brickman, founder at Heartland Ventures. Max, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Max, let's start with uh, a little bit of introduction about your background. Let's get acquainted.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, Happy to go as in depth as you'd like me to. But I, I'm from you know Wisconsin originally uh, in the Midwest. Uh, kind of got started in the entrepreneurial space early on. I, I Bought my first property when I was like 14 in uh, northern Wisconsin, uh, so just, uh, I guess, money from a landscaping company that I had, that the, 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 uh, one of our clients or one of our accounts, in the landscaping company, was getting ready to sell their property, and so we were going to lose an account. And so I kind of foolishly raised my hand and said, like, well, what if, what if, what if we were to buy it and was able to work something out to, to buy that and was able to fix it up and rent it out and, and build that to about 450 units for uh, high school and college. Uh, and had a uh, education startup uh, that ultimately we we licensed out, and then uh, found myself in in South Bend, Indiana. Um, you know, a small city of about you know hundred thousand people. Notre Dame's there, but it's it's sort of uh, uh, you know it's a, it's a smaller city outside of that. Traditionally, kind of a, what people would classify as like a Rust Belt town. Um, I was there because my my wife was going to grad school there, and didn't really know anyone in the community, and candidly kind of went in and tried to make the most situation and ended up falling in love with the city and seeing that, you know, you don't have a lot of technology companies that are that are based there, at least at the time, there's definitely more now. Mm-hmm. But what you do have a lot of are these family businesses, these companies that are doing, you know, 100 million, a billion in revenue that are in, you know, manufacturing and logistics and construction that are huge consumers of technology. And, you know, our are you know, sharp folks, but but sort of fly under the radar because of where they're located. Yeah, and so I, I built the fund really around those people and and the again these owners of these you know billion dollar companies that no one's ever heard of uh, because those are the expert those are the those are the users of a lot of the technologies that are being developed. Mm. And so fast forward, we we we've, I uh, built Heartland. Uh, we we've, we've raised we're about a hundred million under management now. Uh, raised pretty much just exclusively from Around a hundred of these family businesses. Instead of so having these companies invested in us, as opposed to you know pension or endowment, we can look at a technology, and this really drives what we look at. We can look at a technology. We can do the diligence ourselves, but then take it to the co- you know the customer, our our, our investor, say, hey, is this something you all would actually use? Would you become yeah. a customer of this? Is there an ROI? And if there is, then. Uh, you know, de-risks product market fit for us. It becomes helpful for the startup of getting you know, early customers. The, the RLP is getting a technology that can help their core business. And and so it really is built around those aligned incentives of bringing everybody together.
0: Very interesting. Now, yeah. what, um, uh, what sector of technology companies are you looking? Is it all B2B SaaS then?
1: Yeah, it's all B2B SaaS, really driven by who our investors are. And mm-hmm. so Technologies that can sell into manufacturing, logistics, construction, you know, HR is a bit of a catch all because that can sell into really any of them, Um, but anything where we can really provide value.
0: And um, stage wise, do you do seed, pre-seed, or series A, what are you doing?
1: Seed and A. Uh, So kind of in that area where at least we believe it's most valuable to have those early customer introductions where there is a product that's developed, but where – you you don't already have customer validation necessarily completely figured out where we can be supportive with that.
0: Ah, so you you would take a product company that doesn't have customers yet and bring them into your customer base?
1: Possibly, if they're sort of at that inflection point of finalizing the product, maybe they only have a few customers or just uh, some pilot customers and we can introduce them to our network. Uh, If our network is excited to become a customer, then, we we that's where we would want to invest cuz we can we can help them get to that next you know jump from that seed to a sure.
0: and do the companies have to be also from the area or are they can they from anywhere
1: not at all anywhere uh, actually most of our investments have been on the coast a couple international uh, and a few in the midwest as well but we want to act as that connector between tech hubs around the country and canpa around the world and you know the the industrial midwest you know all of these uh, very large you know producers in this part of the country
0: let's uh, do some examples of companies that you have invested in especially where you have brought them into your customers very early on so ideally seed
1: yeah absolutely so uh, a good example would be workstream uh we were one of the early investors in their in their seed round um desmond lim uh, uh singaporean founder who who moved to the us and uh, started a company that targets the hr space hiring hourly employees and one of his other investors contacted us and said hey you should talk to the heartland folks they they know a lot of you know our employers of companies that have a lot of hourly employees and so we met desmond and obviously loved him and and we really impressed with what he was building but we wanted to introduce him to our network and see if other people agreed so we you know flew him out to south bend and we connected him to, I think it was like 13 of our investors who own, you know, manufacturing companies. And he left that trip with 11 signed contracts.
0: Oh wow! So
1: we hadn't even invested yet. And he just showed his ability to prove value. And I mean, it was just incredible. And so we invested and fast forward, he raised his series A from Founders Fund, Keith Raboy joined his board, Um, his series B from Bond and Co2 at obviously a much higher valuation. And uh, but continues to do a lot of work in in the midwest and and that
0: no, uh, I, customer introductions are incredibly valuable so mm-hmm. uh, if you know if an investor comes with customer introductions i think that's a very differentiated value proposition well done that's
1: what we hope, hope to bring in, and uh what we're what we're built to to bring
0: now uh how do you uh view this unicorn obsession of our industry
1: yeah i I guess it it's kind of a necessary obsession in a weird way because of the risk profile in venture because of the failure rate that exists as a vc you really do need those wins those those big wins to offset you know the zeros that that are inevitable in this area and so
0: for a small fund that's that's a very large fund yes if you're a small fund no
1: yes and no uh you don't necessarily need a, a billion dollar exit but you do need a, a depends where you come in but you do need large you know large exit where if you make 10 investments and four of them go to zero you need to the it has to work out where you know you have a 10x or 20x that then offsets those zeros plus then returns your fees I mean, and, and that uh, leads to your that you
0: but these micro vcs that are operating with 10 million 15 million even up to 50 million dollar funds they don't necessarily need unicorn exits to do ten x
1: i guess it it depends where they're coming in if they're coming in at a yeah, the definition, the
0: no. definition of the micro-VCs is that they're coming in very early hmm. and
1: uh, sure.
0: uh, so this is actually it's an interesting this this discussion has gone on in these forums for many many years now and and there is a distinct um evolution that I have observed over time, you know, the more money you raise, the higher the bar goes on exit. How many IPOs do happen? How many unicorn acquisitions happen? So you're, the more money you raise, the, more, the higher the exit price and, and the lower the probability of you getting such an exit. But if you look at the number of VCs operating in our industry today, it's humongous. All these people who used to write angel checks have formed micro VCs, I mean all, but a lot of them. So the number of micro VCs has ballooned. Probably the number of series A and beyond VCs has not ballooned, that remains more steady. But the, but the low end of the business has ballooned and And there is also a good understanding now that bulk of the acquisitions happen in the sub-$50 million range. So how do you make a sub-$50 million exit work, and how do you get a 5X, 10X from a sub-$50 million exit? This is a conversation that I've had with a number of these small VCs. Your fund is $100 million, so it's getting more into the territory of the traditional VC scale. Um, but i think the ones who are operating in the sub 50 million dollar fund size and many of them in the 25 million or below uh fund fund size are thinking somewhat differently than the pure unicorn chasing vcs i i
1: tend to agree i, I mean i guess there, there's There's definitely a lot of opportunity for creativity in the venture space more on the, I'm talking about the for for the VCs not obviously there's a ton of of innovation on the, on the startup side, but to really be able to innovate and model in in model types to. To figure out ways to make it work to be able to get in, you know, if, if if you're betting on the fact that you're going to have a lot of 50 million dollar exits, you you need to get in early. Um, yes, but if you can build a model around that and have, have
0: to build around very capital efficient principles also.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, what's uh, what about companies in the Midwest? Do you have in your portfolio? Do you have companies, interesting companies in your uh, from the Midwest?
1: Absolutely, we have, we have a couple. Uh, one, uh, Clara, uh, Katie Hall, the the founder, um, you know, MIT grad, but came back to to Michigan and and is is targeting the HR space of basically uh, competency based evaluation of your current workforce, mm-hmm. and so. You know, she moved back in, in part because, again, this is where their customers are. Uh, there, there's a ton of when you when you look at a, a map of, you know, Fortune 1000 companies like they're predominantly in the, in the Midwest and in, in, in the heartlands. They're they're obviously on the coast as well, but many, many more than you would expect, despite, you know, all of the venture funding and all the venture startups being, being predominantly on the coast. So I think there's kind of an unfair advantage that a lot of these companies have by being in the Midwest because you're just one of fewer. and You're going to get more attention. You're going to get more feedback. Your customers are going to just be more interested. Uh, And so we're seeing it more and more. And beyond just looking at companies that we're investing in, we're seeing more more of of companies we've invested in that are relocating here uh, or expanding, setting up secondary operations here. Yes, it's it's, it's a lot less expensive than the coast, but again, to be close to their customers.
0: And how many, uh, let's say, how many SaaS companies are headquartered in the Midwest or have second operations in the mid- Midwest right now for these reasons?
1: I, I don't have exact numbers, but I mean, in, in Columbus, where I feel like it's a daily occurrence that we're seeing companies either relocating or, or setting up operations here. Uh, I mean, there have been some some pretty big exits in Columbus from, you know, Cover My Meds, I guess, Root Insurance was you know, has kind of come down a little bit since, but uh, is here. There's, there's a lot of uh, big wins in Indianapolis. You have Exact Targets, all the Salesforce, you have um, a lot of, you know, multibillion-dollar exits that have occurred here, and that's starting to lead to more and more based here. Are
0: we talking thousands of companies? Are we talking, you know, hundreds of companies? What are we talking?
1: That are based here? Yeah, uh, Midwest. Definitely in the thousands. I mean, it, the, you have, uh, you know, uh, the Midwest, uh, I mean, it, it, I don't exact numbers, I mean, but you're you're talking, you know, hundreds of millions of people, uh, you know, in, in the...
0: and great universities, big universities. So the part of, you know, a lot of people end up staying close to their universities when they come out. And if there are opportunities within the universities, the career development offices work well with the universities and so on.
1: Absolutely. I and mean, when you think about the largest universities in the country, you know, OSU has, you know 50,000 plus students, Michigan. They probably don't like me using those two schools in the same sentence as being rivals, but uh, you know, forty, fifty thousand students. I mean, you have these massive schools that are that are terrific schools. The ability to to hire, and that, that's why Intel uh, is getting ready to spend you know ten billion dollars on a, on I think the one of the largest public private projects in in U.S. history. Uh, just outside of Columbus, uh, they're going to be hiring you know ten thousand people, uh, in part because of you know. The, the talent pool that exists here
0: mm, very interesting. Um, what um, what is your relationship with the universities in the area and and how are the universities playing like, you know, if you look at the history of Silicon Valley, Stanford has played a very dominant role um, at the in the Boston area, MIT has played that role, although Boston never became that big a hub to the extent that Silicon Valley became, but it's a very, very successful ecosystem. Boston has always been a very successful ecosystem around MIT. What is the equivalent of that effort in the Midwest right now?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, OSU's, uh, you know, engineering program has more students than Yale, to, you know. Total. I mean, so the scale of these schools are, are just significantly larger uh, than than others, and so you have that that scale benefit. Uh, there's certainly more that a lot of these schools can can do on the commercialization side. That said, there have been some pretty major companies that have come out of that, particularly on the healthcare. I think we're seeing a lot more on, you know, I, you know, the the I like think the Western Medical Center, the, the hospital systems affiliated with OSU, is like seven billion in revenue, and I think it's like a, a billion. Um, in research uh, funding and grants per, per year, I mean these are massive programs uh, that are that are churning out innovation and research at a, at a very 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 large scale. Um, and so, particularly on the healthcare and life sciences side, it's some of the top in in the world. I think the you know the the new cancer center here is going to be the second largest in the country. Um, so you, just the scale of, of of some of the things that are happening here is pretty incredible. And that, that, that's through the universities in, in large part.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. You know, uh, Silicon Valley's cost structure is just not sustainable for most companies. So even if you want to have a, have a headquarter in Silicon Valley, the bulk of the hiring is not happening in Silicon Valley anymore. So it's happening somewhere else. And, and the Midwest is one of the places like India is ha- it's happening a lot in India also. Um, but it's it's happening somewhere else for sure. Yeah,
1: it's a fraction of the cost and you have major pipelines of talent that's just being pumped at, you know, that, that's coming out of these these great schools. Uh, yeah, you have an eye, you can, you yeah, know, I was in San Francisco yesterday. I mean, you, you can, you can, there's nonstop flights all the time. You, know, you, you can get there if you, as you need.
0: Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, we're going to, Talk to some entrepreneurs. Are you staying for the entrepreneur discussions? Absolutely. Okay. Let's see. Let's.